When we think of the future of leadership in sales, what, or rather who, do we see? Women in Sales Everywhere and Sales Loft have teamed up to answer this question, and let me assure you, there's no doubt that the future is female. I'm Sydney Sloan, Chief Marketing Officer at Sales Loft. And I'm Alex Adamson, Executive Director of Women in Sales Everywhere. We'll be sitting down with each outstanding female leader on our inaugural Future Female CROs list to discuss everything from their sales philosophies to how they keep their lives organized to how they unwind after a breakneck day. Together, we'll dig into exactly what makes each of these women so extraordinary. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of our future female CRO list uh, between SalesLoft and WISE. Today we are chatting with Lauren Miss Kelly, Director of Business Development for the North American Division of Google Cloud. Welcome, Lauren. Hi, thanks, Alex. So I'm really excited to chat with you today. I think you have such a phenomenal background and such an incredible sales story. To kick us off, you've been at, at Google for the last 13 years in a ton of different divisions. Before we get into that and hear more about your sales leadership style and and what's made you so successful, can you tell us a little bit about life before Google? Sure. So before Google, I was actually in higher education textbook publishing. I had wild dreams out of college to get into magazine publishing and realized that I wanted to stay in uh, California and didn't want to move to New York. So found the next best thing in higher ed textbook publishing and actually started originally out of college and the editorial side of things. So I was an assistant editor for math, science, chemistry, physics books. Oh, wow. Well, that probably ended up lending itself well to your time when you were doing Google Ed because you were on that side of the house for a little bit. So you're doing all of that. You're in publishing. What made you pivot over to, to tech? Yeah, so it was interesting. So in my in my time in publishing, I gravitated to you know, what was new and innovative in publishing. And at the time, I was actually working on a project that was called iChapters. So the idea was students could buy digitally chapters of a textbook instead of buying a full textbook and uh, you know really looking into like how could you get people to buy electronically and use technology in the classroom. Sounds sounds pretty remedial today, but at the time we weren't selling ebooks. No one was buying anything electronically. And so it was a, a little bit of a incubation startup within a very, you know, mature publishing company. So I always gravitated towards that new innovative type of teams. I mean, I wouldn't say it was like a perfect transition and all thought through at the time, but I had gotten an interview for a job at Google. And at the time, you don't really know what you're interviewing for when you start at Google, especially early in your career. So I was applying to this enterprise division, you know, was selling to to universities, but also to businesses. And lo and behold, as I went through the process, I realized, you know, the role was selling to universities and selling technology to universities, which was well aligned from like my experience with higher ed. The technology side, definitely very different from what I had been doing, but there was some parallels that the universe sort of worked and got me into the right place. And did you even realize that it was, it's pretty common where people are like, I didn't even totally realize what sales was or that this, this role was going to be sales. And yeah, 
I did realize that Google was a sales role. What's a bit different from in publishing than a lot of the tech world is there is a very linear path of your career. So every actual editor of a book, there is a requirement that you do sales for two years. So no matter what, people always have to be in the field and do sales for a few years. So I did sales when I was at the publisher and that exposed me to sales. I'd say similarly, it's not something I was like, here's, I'm going to go do sales. But I fell into that through the career path within publishing, had success in that, and then moved into like a marketing incubation sales type role. When I got to Google, I did know it was a sales role. And at the time, what we were selling was a free product to universities. So it was an interesting hybrid. Very cool. So, you know, you start with the Google ad, then you moved over to Google work. Now you're working with the the cloud team. What were some of the common themes that led you to making these changes over the years? Great question. So I would say the common theme was really taking a bit of risk, but a calculated risk. So the way I've always described it to people at Google is you can take risks at Google, but they're not, they're not that scary. So, you know, you have a lot of a safety net under you when you're taking these risks. But with all of my transitions at Google, it was a bit of a, there is a new opportunity, a new type of business where we're developing or something new we're trying to do. I had a lot of sponsorship going into each of them. I would get new skills. I'd learn something new and I would you know, be able to launch something and build something. So for me with each of them, it was, this is new and exciting and I get to learn new things that will develop myself. But also it was interesting because each time I was really enjoying the role I was in and someone gave me the advice once, which was always run to something and not run from, from something. As comfortable as I was and happy in the roles, I was given something to run to and taking that advice, going to that before you get complacent in the role you're in, running to an exciting new opportunity and knowing I had, I think for me, what was really helpful in each of those was I had sponsorship and support and I wasn't going at it alone. For me, a good example, like when I went from selling software to hardware, I had no experience in hardware, but I knew I had a support system around me who would educate and help me and support me and wanted me to succeed, which made it a lot less scary. That touches on a really important point and something I think we talk about a lot, which is this idea of having mentors and surrounding yourself with like personal board of advisors, the people you can go to. But can we talk about that just a little bit more? How did you think about building this sponsor network? And have you now found that you are that for others? I I assume so. Yeah, so I think a lot of it comes less intentionally to start. And then over time, you start to realize the power of that network and the sponsors. And so the way I've successfully done it and now realize it much more as I'm later in my career is really looking to help each other and find people that you can have impact and help them and they in return will help you. And so the advice I always give people is, It doesn't always make sense. People will reach out and ask you to do something. And I'm not saying you should just say yes to everything because that's obviously gets you to the different side of a problem. But if you do say yes, when you can actually see like, this is someone that 
it will be great to build a relationship with, say yes. And even though in that moment, it may not give you anything in return, down the road, it always pays back to help other people. And so that's the way I probably unintentionally went into it. But over time, I have found that that network and the people that I have given time and help and you know, dove into projects that were really important to that person's business, you know, found ways to have an impact. They've paid back over time, sometimes five, 10 years down the road, sometimes immediately. That you know, is how I saw, and especially in a place like Google that's so big and you will be working with someone and then not, and then they come back again. It is really important to keep those relationships over time. That's been impactful for me And then I'd say, as I have sponsored a lot of people myself and mentored a lot of people within the organization, it's really important to be intentional with those relationships and make sure that I'm listening to them and understanding what they're really looking for out of it. Uh, Some people are just looking for a sounding board and advice. Others are looking for you to actively play a role in them navigating, taking new roles and things like that. And, you know, making sure that if I have a seat at the table to have an impact for them, you know, I use it in a way that will really benefit that individual. And typically it's beneficial to me long-term just because one, it feels really good to help someone grow their career. And a lot of time that person will help me throughout the organization in some way as well. So I want to go back to this idea of moving around in large organizations because you've obviously done it well at Google. So what would be some piece of advice that you have for folks that are maybe at larger orgs, want to know the best ways to navigate internal promotions or raising their hand for something like that? Yeah. So I think one is it's really important to know what you're interested in. So start to whittle down what it is that you are interested in expanding and what it is you aren't. And I actually think it's just as important to know what you don't want to do. And I always go back to like points when I was given more more responsibility and realized, you know, more responsibility doesn't necessarily equal better because sometimes it was things that I wasn't super excited about or passionate about, and it became a drain instead of an energy giver. So I think that one is important and you don't have to decide completely, but I'd say, so I'm very interested in learning more about, you know, what it is to do strategy and operations, then start to talk to people that actually do that job. (laughs) Start there to say, is that something I could actually see myself doing long-term? And just start to have those conversations to understand some of the different roles in a company and what those teams really do versus what's written on paper. Then I'd say, find ways to get involved. So if you decide that, you know, I am really interested in strategy and operations, then there's probably a project that they need some support and extra help on. You can always find ways to like get yourself involved in something that's cross-functional with that team. And that's how you start to dip your toe in it and also start to build those relationships. So you have to be thoughtful early on on where are you going to invest your extra time. Don't just say yes to every project that's a cross-functional project. Find ones that are well-aligned be vocal about where those passions are with your manager because your manager is going to be seeing much more than you're seeing on the ground. And that allows your manager to start involving you in things that are well aligned to where you want to go. I think that's all great advice. And it's a nice kind of segue into your leadership style. And and that's something I want to dive more into. So 
previously and and in our article, we talked about you being our authentic acquirer. Talk to us a little bit more about what authenticity means to you. I would say number one is being yourself, no matter what the situation is, and allowing others to do the same. So it is really important to me that people see each other and who they really are. So there's a quote that always resonates with me, which is no one cares how much you know until they know you care. That at the core is really important is that you show people from the start that you care about them as an individual. That allows them to be more authentic with you and you to be more authentic with them because they actually know, we know where each other are coming from and we see each other and we actually are looking and hearing and listening to what each other are saying. And so as a leader, it is really important for my leadership style and for my team that I, you know, show where I have vulnerability and where where I might um, have challenges as much as I show, you know, the positive sides as well. And I think that that can translate well into the customer as well. We've talked about you you being really empathetic with customers and how important that is. And it sounds like your leadership style is very complementary to how you think about sales as well. It's interesting. Like early in my sales career, uh, my first sales role, I was you know outside sales rep knocking on doors, and I had a very successful first sales year, and you know I didn't know anything about sales or methodologies or any of that. But a lot of the success I attributed to professors that I was selling to would consistently say, I followed up on what they asked for. And it seems so simple, but I think it comes down to listening and hearing what they actually need and then following through and showing that you heard them. That can be empathy, but it's also understanding their needs and finding the benefit in what we're selling to match those needs, not just selling them what you have, but actually trying to fit that to what is right for them. And also being authentic if it's not right for them. You may not get the sale immediately, but down the road, they're going to remember that you heard them and that you didn't sell them something that wasn't right. And then at some point, there's probably going to be that next opportunity. So I think that comes down to a lot of listening at the end of the day and really hearing both what your people um, as a leader, but also what your customers are saying to you. And there's a difference between hearing something and listening to something. When you're able to really listen and digest what someone's telling you, you're able to then turn around and be an advocate for them. I think you hit the nail on the head, which is there are going to be times when walking away is the best thing for your customer, which is ultimately then the best thing for you because it doesn't necessarily mean no forever. It can just be a no, not right now. Yeah. Early in my career, someone's told me one of the best things you'll ever hear in sales is no, which is really true because you see people spend so much time with a customer that's never going to buy. If you walk away early on, you free up so much more time for the yeses. So, you know, how do you prioritize and how do you focus on the customers that you are the right fit for today? There is an exciting new new announcement and an exciting role on the horizon. Uh, by the time this podcast airs, you should be in that new role. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this next step? 
Yes. So after 13 years, I am taking on a new challenge and leaving Google and going to Plaid to lead uh, and build out their mid-market sales organization. As I talked about earlier, you know, taking on uh, a new opportunity and a next step is exciting, a little bit scary, but also a great opportunity. And you know, for me, it's really the next step in my career, running to something that incredibly excited. I'm excited about what the company is doing, its mission all around unlocking financial freedom for the world. When I look at my career, a lot of time has been spent around equity and whether it was equity from an education standpoint, some of our biggest barriers in for the world is around access to education. And if you look at one of the other biggest barriers, it's around financial equity. So for me, you know, just the mission driven part of the organization is really exciting to me. And then, you know, having the role to lead and build and take on, you know, something that's in an early stage, uh, similar to some of the things I did early at Google, but obviously in a much more senior leadership position. I'm really excited to take on this new challenge. Well, we're excited for you. As you mentioned, 13 years is a long time to walk away from a company that has been you know, such a big part of your life. It sounds like Platt has a lot of you know, exciting stuff on the horizon. It sounds like it's a great team that you're walking into. I'm sure there are a lot of factors you had to take into consideration when you were were thinking about making this switch. You don't have to give us every single one, but uh, what were what were some of the main ones that you thought about? It sounds like mission driven and, and things like that. But just from a career perspective, how were you thinking about the change? I mean, I think with career changes, there's always a lot of factors that go into it. For me, I'd say I wanted to be in a place where I was solving some new problems. I've been at Google, obviously, working on workspace for a good number of years. And you get to a point where you realize that you are trying to solve a lot of the same problems. It's hard, but a comfort zone as well. And I know for myself, every growth I've had in my career is when I've been thrown into something that is very different and I'm uncomfortable. It felt like the right time to be uncomfortable again, solve new problems, and give me that ability to continue to grow and learn in my career and take all of the amazing things I've learned at Google and take that to a new place. One of the amazing benefits of Google is I've had so many opportunities. I've learned so much at Google, and whether it be through just the experiences and the roles I've had or the incredible leadership trainings that Google provides, all of those pieces really sets you up to go be successful elsewhere as well. And you really think about how do I take everything I've learned at Google, get back into that stage of building and challenging and all of those pieces, which I know personally, I get a ton of energy from that early stage building mode. And so how do I take everything I've learned and apply that somewhere else? And it's exciting and it's a great opportunity. And I feel like the 13 years has set me up to go be successful in that next role. Well, congrats again on that. When you're not at work, uh, (laughs) when you aren't going to be very busy with onboarding and getting things up and running at Plaid, where would we find you? What are some of your favorite hobbies? Most of the time you'll find me running. Every morning, I'm an early morning runner. 
I am constantly training for the next race, although 2020 made that a little bit harder, but I did a lot of virtual races. But you'll find me either running or listening to podcasts about running or following runners. So that's where I spend a lot of time. It's my free time away from everything and no one can bother me. But I also have built a lot of social aspects of that as well through a community of a lot of runners chasing big goals together. So that's really fun. What's been your favorite race to date? I'd have to say the... California International Marathon is probably my favorite race just because it brings out a huge amount of the running community and a lot of people trying to, whether they are qualified for the Olympic standard or the Boston qualifier, there are so many people at that race trying to do that. And it's just a great like place where a ton of the community is together. But hopefully there's a lot more races that I have on my bucket list that will be coming up once racing is back. When not running, I'm spending time with my my family. So I have a, a nine-year-old son and a five-year-old daughter. They take up, obviously, a good amount of the rest of my time and spend a lot of time with the family, especially over the last uh, year or so. <laughs> We've been sheltered in place together, the four of us, quite a lot. You were part of virtual school via Google for so many years, and then you turned around and were a working mom. I don't know if your kids were using Google School, but what was that experience like? Pretty phenomenal, actually. So knowing the work we put into education 13 plus years ago and seeing it all culminate in this moment where all of our tools enabled what is happening around the world. So while it's been challenging, Pretty phenomenal to watch my son go from in awe of the ability that teachers had to pivot so quickly to this. Uh, And then especially, I'd say this fall, uh, the spring was a challenge straight out the gate. Uh, But as teachers prepared over the summer and got ready for this fall, just seeing how smoothly and how well they built this virtual learning environment uh, and you know the ability to do that with with the technology that exists is just really amazing. Uh, nothing will replace the physical classroom, but the fact that this has been a close second and actually has enabled learning is is really incredible. What an awesome experience! Uh, I mean, I I think working parents had a very tough role to play over the last year. And I have all the respect in the world for, for working moms, working dads, um, everyone who, who was doing double duty. But I just think it's so cool that you got to see, see that from so many different angles. Definitely. Uh, well, Lauren, congrats again on an amazing career so far. Congrats on the new role. We will be watching and cheering from the sidelines. And thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Alex. It's been fun. Thanks for listening. This was Sales Loft and Wise's Future Female CROs. Check back next week for another episode featuring an outstanding female CRO of tomorrow. And until next time, this was Sydney Sloan from Sales Loft and Alex Adamson from Women in Sales Everywhere.